Good morning. It's uh, great to be with you this morning. Always great to be here at uh, Trinity Assembly, and uh, thank you, Pastor David, uh, for the opportunity to share the Word of God with you. Uh, If you have your Bibles today, we're going to look at uh, John's Gospel, uh, chapter 8, the Gospel of John, chapter 8. How many of you know that the greatest insecurities in our life, uh, uh, the greatest insecurities in our life come from when we don't know what's true about those who are closest to us? Uh, when we don't know what's true about the people who are supposed to love us the most, the people who we're supposed to be able to trust, the pe- people who we're supposed to be able to lean on in times of difficulty, when we don't know what's true about the most vital relationships in our lives, that creates the greatest sense of insecurity in our lives, doesn't it? It's also true that the greatest, the greatest security we have in our lives comes when we know what's true about those who are closest to us and those who are supposed to love us and those who are supposed to be there for us and those who, who are supposed to be able to lean on in times of difficulty. And, and uh, I would present to you this morning that the greatest security that you and I can have in our lives is from being grounded in who the person of Jesus Christ is in our lives. Uh, A.W. Tozer writes, he says, what comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And so in this series, uh, you as a church have been examining uh, uh, what Jesus is saying about himself. And this is significant because there are moments in our lives where we are tempted to believe something different about who God is and about what he says about himself and about how he feels about us and and what his thoughts are towards us. And in those moments, the degree to which you know who Jesus Christ is in your life will determine the level of security and stability you have going forward. And so today we're going to look at a very familiar statement that Jesus makes about himself in John chapter 8, and we're going to spend a few minutes this morning unpacking what this means for us. Let's look here. It says, uh, John chapter 8, we're going to start reading in verse 12. It says, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. The Pharisees replied, you are making those claims about yourself. Such testimony is not valid. Jesus told them, these claims are valid even though I make them about myself, for I know where I came from and where I am going, but you don't know this about me. You judge me by human standards, but I do not judge anyone. And if I did, my judgment would be correct in every respect because I am not alone. The Father who sent me is with me. Your own law says that if two people agree about something, their witness is accepted as fact. I am one witness, and my Father who sent me is the other. Where is your Father, they asked. Jesus answered, since you don't know who I am, you don't know who my Father is. And if you knew me, you would also know my Father. Jesus made these statements while he was teaching in the section of the temple known as the treasury, but he was not arrested because his time had not yet come. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, today we thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ in our lives. And Lord, it is our prayer today that once again you will secure and anchor our hearts in the truth of who Jesus Christ is in our lives. Father, today I pray that you would open up our minds and our hearts, that you would illuminate our spirits to the truth of your gospel and the truth of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we pray that you would strengthen our understanding 
and, and anchor our hearts in who Jesus is, in your precious name. Amen. Uh, some context to this passage this morning is, is, is very helpful as we try to unwrap what this statement means. Jesus says here, he says, I am the light of the world. Has anybody ever heard that statement before? I am the light of the world. It's a very common statement we hear about Jesus. Uh, it's, it's something that we sing about. It's something we heard about. But what does it mean? Well, uh, Jesus is speaking to a very particular audience, and he's speaking on a very particular day. And what we know, John's gospel tells us that Jesus is preaching in Jerusalem, and uh, he's preaching to a crowd of people in the temple courts in an area of the temple known as the treasury. And it's one of the busiest parts of the temple where people would come to offer their gifts and their tithes and their offerings uh, to the Lord there. And so Jesus is preaching in a very crowded place. Well, that's not so surprising, but what is more important is that Jesus is actually preaching on the last day of what is known as the Feast of Tabernacles, uh, also known as the Feast of Booths or uh, Sakat. And uh, this is a seven-day celebration that the people of Israel would celebrate every year uh, to commemorate the nation of Israel being brought out of slavery from Egypt. And they would travel from all over the nation of Israel, and they would come to Jerusalem, and they would set up these little makeshift booths and huts all across the city. And they would live in these little booths throughout the entire week, and they would remember that there was a time in the nation's history some 1,500 to 2,000 years earlier when they were a nation of slaves. For 400 years, they were a nation of slaves in Egypt, and God sent them Moses to call down 10 plagues on the nation of Egypt, and miraculously, they were delivered out of their slavery. They walked through the Red Sea on dry ground, and Pharaoh's army was swallowed up and drowned behind them, and they were brought through the desert to the mountain of God, and then ultimately to the promised land. But while they were traveling through the desert, they had left Egypt so quickly, they did not even have tents to stay in. And so they would set up these little huts and these little booths, the tabernacles they would call them, in the desert. And the desert was littered with all of these uh, little places to live. And they would celebrate this year after year. And even in Jesus' day, some 1,500 years later, they were still celebrating this to remind them of God's miraculous delivering power for the nation of Israel. Now, where Jesus was preaching, he was preaching in the temple courts, and, and, and there, there were four large torches that reached up uh, into the sky, and these torches were actually higher than the walls of the city. And on the top of these torches were, were these large bowls that were filled with 65 liters of oil. And, and uh, uh, out of them, a giant wick would protrude. And so the young priests at night would put ladders on these torches, and they would climb to the top, and they would light these torches, and these torches would light up the entire temple area and much of the city of Jerusalem. And the lighting of these torches would begin an all-night festival of dancing and singing and worship. And these torches that were lit represented something very significant to the nation of Israel. These torches represented the pillar of fire that led the nation of Israel through the wilderness we go back to the story of Exodus and the story of the Israelites coming out of slavery when they are in the desert, Scripture tells us that, that God led them through the desert, and he led them with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Imagine, imagine this, this traveling through a desert, through, through a complete unknown area with no resources and no wealth and nothing to call your own, and you're staying in this little hut, and it is only the, the fire of 
of God that is leading you and guiding you and protecting you. And this is what the nation of Israel celebrated. They said that the, this pillar of fire was a, a protecting, guiding, illuminating, continual symbol of God's love and protection over them. Why do I say this? So when Jesus then stands up in this place in the temple on this day at that time to this crowd and he says to them, I am the light of the world, every single person who heard his voice would have known exactly what he was talking about. Jesus is saying, do you remember that pillar of fire, that, that symbol of God's love and protection, that protecting, that guiding, that illuminating light that brought you out of slavery and into the promised land, that took you through the dark days of the wilderness and kept you safe? Do you remember that light? That's me. That's me. Jesus is saying, I am the pillar of fire. I am the incarnation of God himself. I am what protects you. I'm what guides you. I'm what lights up your way. Jesus is saying a lot here in a very few words, and he gives us this very simple but clear metaphor of light. And uh, very simply this morning, I want to just spend a few moments looking at three ways that Jesus Christ is a light for us. And I I believe there's probably more ways that Jesus Christ is light for us, but uh, these are the three that we're going to look at today. So uh, the first thing I want you to notice in this passage is that Jesus is a guiding light. Jesus is a guiding light. This is uh, perhaps the most dominant picture that comes out of this passage. Jesus compares himself to the pillar of fire that led the nation of Israel through the wilderness and out of slavery. We could also call this a a rescuing light because it directly correlates to how he brought them out of slavery and into freedom. And so Jesus is saying here, he's saying, if you need guidance, if you need direction, if you are wandering through life and you don't know where you're going and you can't find your way, look no further. I am the light. If you're in slavery and if you're in bondage and you need to be rescued, look no further. I am the light that brings freedom. If we think about light, we understand that light enables vision. We can't see without light. And so what's Jesus saying here? He's saying, you can't see without me. You can't see clearly without me. You, you can't navigate your way through this life without me. When I was a kid, uh, my brothers and sisters and I, we used to play this game in our basement uh, called hide-and-seek in the dark. Anybody ever do that? Um, right? One, one extra step above regular hide-and-seek. We'd turn all the lights off. And I tell you, when we played regular hide-and-seek, I knew my basement pretty well. Okay? As a kid, I could navigate my way through every obstacle in that basement, around under chairs and tables, whatever it took. I knew my, I, could, I could navigate that no problem. But when you turn the lights off, it was a whole different story. You turn the lights off, all of a sudden you're, you're stumbling your way through and you, you bump your knee into something or you stub your toe. And uh, usually we didn't last very long playing this game because one of us would end up uh, having a bloody lip or a bloody forehead and we had to quit and my mom got mad at us. And so anyway, um, when we're walking through life without a guiding light, we're walking in the dark. How many of you know what's easy in the light becomes very difficult in the dark. And Jesus says here, he says, if you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. 
because you will have the light that leads to life. I think Jesus is saying something very significant here. And, he, and, and I hope you get this today. Jesus is saying, listen, if you follow me, you don't have to stumble your way through life anymore. You don't have to stumble your way through life anymore. Have you ever felt like you were stumbling your way through life? Like, you, you feel like you're, you know, I'm trying to do what's right. I'm trying to, to, to put myself together and, and, and get my life together. And every time I seem to, to make some sort of progress, I hit an obstacle and I didn't see it was there. And so then I reorient myself and I turn and I try to do something else. And bam, I, I run into something else. And it feels like I'm getting hit from every direction. And I'm stumbling my way through life. And Jesus is saying, if you follow me, you don't have to stumble your way through the darkness anymore. If you follow me, you're in the light. Now, he's not saying that the obstacles go away in your life, but I will tell you this morning that there's a big difference between facing an obstacle in the darkness and facing an obstacle in the light. Jesus says, I am the light. Follow me, and you don't have to walk in darkness. And this is significant because Jesus is not just saying here, he doesn't say, I am a light. He says, I am the light. He doesn't say, I am, I am one of many lights. I am one of many ways for you to find your way through life. No, he says, I am the light. You follow me and you won't walk in darkness. You don't follow me, you are in darkness. And so that brings us to a very important point of decision in our hearts. Is Jesus Christ the light that we are following? If we want any hope of successfully or meaningfully navigating our lives, we have to follow him because he is the guiding light. The second thing we see is that Jesus is an exposing light. An exposing light. Now, exposing in two very particular ways, and the first is this, is that the light of Jesus exposes uncomfortable realities. The light of Jesus exposes uncomfortable realities. Have you ever seen uh, on TV, I think I saw it on a television show once, where they came in, they went into a hotel room and they put a black light on? Have you ever seen that? Right? I remember seeing that and thinking to myself, I am never leaving my house again. <laughs> then, of course, if you offered to take that same black light and go through my house, uh, I would shudder to think what you would find. Um, and so maybe it's not so bad. But uh, what looks good in the dark, can often look very ugly in the light. What looks good in the dark can often look very ugly in the light. Uh, I remember this uh, show that was on a couple years ago. It was called Dating in the Dark. Um, I only watched one episode of it. If you think I'm kind of weird for watching that, I knew, I knew somebody that was on it, and so I checked it out. And it's this show where they would put these two couples in a room, and they'd have the lights off, and they couldn't see each other, and they'd try to help them get to know each other in the dark. And then at the end of the show, they would turn the lights on, and there would be this big reveal. And sometimes when they would turn the lights on, it would be a great surprise because the person who they thought was beautiful in the dark was also beautiful in the light. And then sometimes they would turn the lights on, and it was a little bit more disappointing. What looks good in the dark can often look very ugly in the light. And this, is, this theme uh, of, of darkness and light actually runs all the way through the Gospel of John. In fact, earlier in John's Gospel in chapter 3, uh, John writes this. This is John chapter 3, verse 16. He says, For this is how God loved the world. 
He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him, right? These are verses that we know and we've heard and are on a lot of Hobby Lobby signs, Um, right? Uh, But then he continues here. He says, there is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear that their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. What's Jesus saying here? Jesus is saying, I I am the light, but there are people who are going to stay hidden from me. People who are going to stay hidden in darkness and will hide from me and will stay in the darkness. Why? Because darkness is comfortable. Darkness is comfortable. I can hide my ugly in the dark. I don't have to deal with what's ugly in my life in the dark. I can, I can hide it there. And Jesus says, if you, if you want to follow me, you have to step out into the light. You have to step out into the light and let me begin to deal with some of the ugly things in your life. You have to step out into the light. He's saying, if you follow me, You have to follow me into the light. You can't hide in the darkness anymore. But here's the good news, and this is the gospel. I hope you get this with me today. Here's the good news. There is no judgment in the light. There's no judgment in the light. He said there's only judgment when you stay in darkness. There's only judgment when you hide it in the darkness. He says when you follow me, you walk out into the light. Yes, the ugliness is revealed. Yes, I have to deal with it. But there is no judgment in the light. The light of Jesus exposes uncomfortable realities in our lives. The second way that uh, the light of Jesus exposes is that it exposes powerless sources of fear. Powerless sources of fear. Light makes scary things not so scary. Light reveals what is true. It exposes danger, but it also exposes pseudo-dangers. This is the magical power of a nightlight. A nightlight does not kill the monsters under the bed. It just reveals that they were never there to begin with. My, uh, my wife and I, a couple years ago, we were uh, in Anaheim, California, and we had a chance to go to Disneyland. And so uh, it's a rare opportunity for us. We took it. We decided to go to Disneyland. But, of course, we had our six-month-old daughter with us at the time, so we couldn't go on any rides together. So it was really an annoying day. Um, And so we just took turns going back and forth. And, you know, I'd watch the baby, and then she'd watch the baby, and we'd swap places in line. And that's how we did the whole day. And so finally, towards the end of the day, we went on a very classic Disney ride. Some of you have probably been on it. It's called Space Mountain. Now, Space Mountain, if you've never heard of it, is a roller coaster in the dark. And uh, it's absolutely terrifying for the first time you've ever done it because you, you, don't, you don't know what's going to happen. Every, there's twists and turns and everything's in the dark. It's completely pitch black. And for a few moments in there, you think you're going to die. And uh, so at this particular point in the day, uh, my wife said, why don't you go first and then I'll go second. So I went first. I went on the ride, uh, uh, was terrified, came back, 
and uh, switch places. I'm watching the baby. She goes on the ride, and I'm waiting for her, and I'm waiting for her, and I'm waiting for her, and she's not coming back, and I'm wondering what is going on. Well, as it turns out, while she was on the ride, the ride broke down. Now, if there's one thing that's scarier than a roller coaster in the dark, it's a roller coaster that breaks down <laughs> in the dark. And so I said to my wife, I said, what, what happened? What, what did they do? And she said, well, they had to fix it. So to do that, they had to turn the lights on. My wife had the rare opportunity of seeing what Space Mountain looks like with the lights on. And she said, you know what? It's just a regular roller coaster. It's not scary at all. It's not scary at all. How many of you know that fear lives in darkness? Fear lives in darkness. And the powers of darkness only have power in darkness. You with me? I'm going to say this today not because I, I feel like I'm more spiritual than anybody or because I've figured out anything, out, anything incredible. I'm just going to say it today because I believe that it's true. Uh, as a follower of Jesus Christ, I do not fear the devil. I don't. The devil dwells in darkness and I walk in the light. When I follow Jesus Christ, I walk in the light. I don't have to fear what's in darkness because I am in the light. And the powers of darkness only have power in darkness. You might say, well, Dan, I, I thought we were supposed to be alert and looking out for the devil because he is a roaring lion prowling around seeking whom he may devour. Well, that's not actually what Scripture says. Scripture actually says he is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And I believe we sang a song about it earlier. There's only one true lion, and that's the lion of the tribe of Judah, and that's Jesus Christ. When we follow him and we walk into the light, we realize that Satan is nothing more than a kitty cat who's grumpy and has a megaphone. And when you turn on the light, all of his power goes away. The, power, the powers of darkness only have power in darkness. And the light of Jesus exposes powerless sources of fear. Finally, we see here that Jesus is a reflecting light. He's a reflecting light. Jesus says that he perfectly reflects the Father. That's why he says to them, he says, If you knew me, you would also know my Father. What's he saying? He's saying that the clearest representation of the Father to us is him. The author of Hebrews writes about this. He says in Hebrews 1.3, he says, The Son is the radiance of God's glory and is the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. He's saying all the love and the care that God the Father, the Creator, has for us is reflected through Jesus Christ and through his life. And so if you want to see clearly the Father... Look no further than the Son. If you don't know who God the Father is, you haven't been looking at the Son. Christ reflects the Father. Similarly then, Christ then says that we have the power to reflect Him to the world. 
He says, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. Why? Because you will have the light that leads to life. You'll have it. You will actually possess the light of God within you. This is why Jesus says in another gospel, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, he says, you are the light of the world. He actually takes this title and he transfers it onto us. He says, I, I am the light because I reflect perfectly the love of the Father now to you, but when you follow me, you become the light as well. And so now, what is true? You and I have the power to light up the world. You and I have the power to be guiding lights that point people to their Savior, Jesus Christ, and to the love of God, our Father. You and I have the power to speak truth in a world that loves darkness and loves the comfortable nature of darkness. You and I have the power to show the powerlessness of things that have long brought fear and oppression and bondage. Jesus says, you and I are the light of the world when you follow me. I started off this message by saying that the thing that causes the greatest insecurity in our lives is when we don't know what's true about those who are closest to us. This morning, I'd like to one more time remind you and assure you about the person who knows you and loves you more than anyone else ever could. I want you to know this morning that there is a God who loves you, who sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to rescue you and to light up your way, to bring, to bring truth to your world that's so often filled with lies and with fear, to bring peace to your heart and clarity for your future. God the Father, in his great love for us, has given us Jesus Christ the great light of the world. And when we put our faith and our trust in him, we become that light as well. Two closing thoughts I have for you today, and that is this. Number one, I will never see more clearly than when I see Jesus Christ. I'll never see more clearly than when I see Jesus Christ. And, and if you're here today and you feel like you, feel like you are lost, if you're here today and, and maybe you feel like you are stumbling your way through life, I'd ask you simply, how clearly are you seeing the person of Jesus Christ today? How clearly are you seeing him today? And the second and last thought is this, is that the more clearly I see Christ, the more clearly others will see him in me. And so that's a great question to ask ourselves. Are people seeing Jesus in me? And if they're not seeing Jesus in me, then what's the question I have to ask myself? Is am I seeing Jesus? Am I seeing Jesus for who he is? Am I letting him light up my life? Am I letting him guide me? Am I letting him expose those places in my heart? Am I letting him remove those sources of fear and oppression from my life? And am I letting him shine through me? Would you pray with me today? Heavenly Father, this morning we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for Jesus Christ who is the light of our world who is the guiding light that, that, that shows us, that lights up our life, that shows us how to, go, how to live 
and how to walk through this life. God, today we acknowledge that, that we can't see without you. We can't see without you. Without you, God, we're just we're stumbling our way through. God, I pray today that you would give our hearts and our spirits a clear picture of the person of Jesus Christ in our lives. Make yourself known to us one more time. Assure our hearts, root us, and secure us, and stabilize us in the person of Jesus Christ and who you are in our lives. God, it's our prayer today that as we do that, as we step into the light of your Son, Jesus Christ, that you would shine through us, your children, to a world that so desperately needs you, to a world that walks in darkness. Lord, let us not forget what you have brought us out of. Help us, God, to be the light of the world as you are the light to us. We love you today. We worship you in Jesus' name.